feel the heat of the game. The crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache. And the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk. I thought St Johnson did come and make it difficult, very well organised, very well drilled, but it took a wee bit of magic from Yanis Hadji just to make the difference. That was the big three points again. Dundee United certainly came in and gave us a, a real hard game and we're happy that we got more goals than them. Far more like the Scott Brown we know and the Scott Brown of last season. It's a step in the right direction, that's all it is, we're not going to get carried away. The Goal Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited, hosted by Rob McLean, Shelley Kerr and Richard Foster. Call now and voice your opinion. 0808 to 1717 700. Let's go! It's 100 wins for Steven Gerrard as Rangers manager and rattling up the century against St Johnston last night reopens the 23-point cushion at the top of the Premiership and only six more league wins are needed for Rangers to land the big prize. We found out today the next Old Firm game is on Sunday the 21st of March and it's possible the final nail in 10 in a row could be hammered home by Rangers at Celtic Park Richard Foster what would that mean uh, to Rangers to get it done there um, I think they'd probably enjoy it a little bit <laughs> um, more so, they would have enjoyed it a lot more if uh, had there been fans in place but still you know to, to win the league after all this time at your nearest rivals then it's, it's kind of special isn't it Gary McAllister's got some interesting thoughts on no fans we'll get to that a little bit later in the show Rangers won St Johnston nil last night back to back wins for Motherwell who beat Dundee United last night and what a comeback for Ross County at Hamilton two goals in the last 10 minutes gave the Dingwall team a massive boost and lifted them four points away from Aki's in bottom spot she was on the telly last night slumming it on the radio uh, tonight in Shelley Care even with two games in hand on Ross County that was a big blow wasn't it to Hamilton yeah it was do you know what I've actually been quite impressed with the way that Hamilton have defended I thought they'd done well against Celtic I know they lost the game they started off the game last night very well structured they were very well organised even pressing in the first half was good but as soon as they didn't do that they gave Ross County an opportunity and fair play to Ross County I thought they played some nice stuff last night I mean John Hughes, he's got a style of play that he adopts everywhere he goes. So, yeah. And um, I think possession-wise, they deserved their win in the end, but Hamilton would have been really disappointed to concede in the last nine minutes, two goals in the last nine minutes. White and Mackay, that will not, <laughs> not be the last time you hear that uh, that mentioned tonight. And uh, I don't want any grouses about it either. Uh, and we'll have one of the goal scorers with us in about 15 minutes' time. On his birthday as well, Jordan White is joining us. What an impact on his debut last night. Made one, scored one. And as we've been saying, big win for Ross County. So lots to talk about in the next couple of hours. Rob McLean, Shelley Kerr, Richard Foster are here. Uh, the big talking points. You can get yourself involved as well in the usual way. 0808 17 17 700. Text go on your message to 874 
on the socials at Go Football Show. It's been a busy midweek, hasn't it? Tuesday night, Kilmarnock nil, Celtic four, Aberdeen nil, Livingston two, uh, St Mirren one, Hibs two. So if you went for three aways uh, that night, you did pretty well. Uh, last night, another away win, this time for Ross County at Hamilton, that big match at the bottom of the Premiership. Finally, a home win. Motherwell beat Dundee United by two goals to one. Back-to-back wins for Graham Alexander and his team and of course uh, that Rangers win Rangers won St Johnston nil and it is 23 points of a difference and Rangers need only 17 more points uh, to land the title but let's start with the breaking news on the show which is that uh, Albion Ayeti of Celtic is going to be uh, cited for simulation it was the penalty Incident the other night at Kilmarnock, Tuesday night, uh, Celtic's uh, second goal. It was converted by Odson Edouard, but the stushy is all about what preceded it. Uh, the uh, simulation, allegedly, uh, that a Yeti was guilty of. Kevin Clancy was the referee, gave the penalty. And uh, Shelley, it's a, I think it's a rare use. It has been used before, but it's a pretty rare use by the Scottish FA of their rules of simulation going back on an incident and saying, yeah, you dived. To, to be decided, and a, a too much ban is offered to a Yeti. Yeah, it's very interesting. I was quite surprised that it came up, although when you watch the game, I think there was a lot of talking points around and obviously it being a dive or there being any contact. So I was surprised to see that come in. But I think that the fact that it has, you can see him getting a ban. I hate diving. I, I really do. It really, it really does annoy me. It spoils a game for me. Um, well, and he, and he, fl- he flung himself, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we have seen so many penalties over the last few days, not just up here, but that you know it's the slightest of contact. Now football has it's a contact sport. If you get two players running together, they're going to bump into each other. They're going to tangle. Now, does the the command goalkeeper does the touch on a Yeti's leg make him fall over? No, it doesn't. So therefore, he's thrown himself to the ground. It's a dive, and and the referee has been unfortunate enough to be conned by it but that's what it is it's a con it's it's, it's cheating it, and you don't really want it in the game you know it's you know, it's hard enough for teams like Kamarak to compete with Celtic anyway but when when they're getting goals given to them like that um, it just makes it it makes it much more difficult for them and I'm like you it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth and, and, and I'm happy that it's been brought forward like this because you know it's there to be a deterrent and you don't want it in the game and the only way to stamp it out is to, to punish retrospectively punish teams and players that have got away with one and, and if you Shelley if you're a Kilmarnock fan you're really angry about that bec- ah. because yeah uh, a Yeti might get his just desserts retrospectively but it doesn't change the fact that at the time it was 1-0 had the penalty not been given it was still 1-0 I think that's the hard part and I was just going to mention that about Kilmarnock they go into that game they've got interim managers in place they've lost their manager and you're trying it's going to be hard enough playing against Celtic you know, and then you get a decision that goes against you that's controversial. So it's tough. It's tough. It's an uphill battle almost yeah. when you're Kilmarnock. Yeah, sure it is. Here's the the wording of the the regulation. <laughs> Um, it's always a bit flowery, isn't it? But no player shall cause a match official uh, to make an incorrect decision and or support an error of judgment on the part of a match official by an act of... Si- I love the tight writing. By an act of simulation which results uh, in that player's team obtaining a, sub- 
a substantial advantage. Conning the ref, I think, is probably the the, the brief version. So, so basically, of that what one. they're saying is you can dive, but as long as you make it so obvious that the referee knows it's a dive, it's only when you con them that then there's a problem. No, it's it's you know these rules of all you know, they're very um, wordy, aren't they? But yeah, essentially that's what it means. You're basically cheating to get. To, to fool the referee and get yourself apparently a free kick whatever it is a goal um, and it's just it's not something they want in the game you know a referee's job is hard enough as it is um, you know you see with all the incidents us as pundits sit here and look at them three, four, five times slowed down and go yeah you definitely got that wrong but, you know but a referee's looking at that in real time the goalkeeper's coming out he sees the touch he sees a yeah to go down he obviously thinks there's more contact than there certainly is Is there less diving Shelley than there was? Or, or is it is it punished as much as it was? I, I think there is less. Um, it still needs to be eradicated from the game. And as Richard said, it's great that it's actually been brought to our attention and that, that there may be some action taken. I think you look back to the Kilmarnock game, there's also the, the small marginals in football make a massive difference. And especially when you're fighting for every point that you can get in Kilmarnock's case. I think they had a an opportunity as well that was deemed maybe over the line, not over the line. So these are the things that we need to get right in football because it yeah. makes a difference. Well, the, the third goal was offside, wasn't it? The 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 Odson Edwards second goal of the game, I think, was shown to be clearly offside. So, so yeah. uh, you know, Kilmarnock are in a really perilous position at the moment. They don't have a manager. They're slipping down the table. And they've got a couple of bad decisions against them Tuesday. Yeah, that, that always seems to happen when you're, yeah, things are not going great for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I have sympathy with the referee with with the Ayeti incident because in real time it probably does look like a, uh, there is contact. Where I don't have sympathy with officials is things like the offside, you know, because Edward is the only one that, that the linesman can see in that position. So and, and he, you know... He must then be offside. If you can't see any Kamarnock player in line with him, it's it's not even a difficult one to get right, and he's he's got it wrong. And Kamarnock have been uh, punished again. Rob, what I would say is that you know take the decisions out. Yeah, I think you know there is the small marginals in there. I think Celtic were comfortable in the game. Yeah. They'd done enough to win the game. I don't think those decisions would have made a difference in the outcome of the game. But still, they have to be looked at. Yeah, and uh, I think the other the other matter arising <laughs> disciplinary wise out of that game is the fact that uh, there was consideration given to the Scott Brown incident with um, with Aaron Tishpola um, and and that clearly the decision has been made and I think I think rightly so as well that that's gonna that's gonna go no further because I think that was Scott Brown I take it you saw it yeah when he when he was kind of blocking Tishbola off but his his arm or his forearm didn't come in contact with Tishbola's yeah, face yeah I mean Scott Scott Brown was involved in this a similar incident against Livingston yep. um, and rightly obviously got a red card at the time. I think there wasn't much in the one that we've seen and so I think that's the right decision. I did see it. I think there was nothing in it. He has looked to see where the opponent is. Um, Tishbola was. He could see him. His arm's up but I don't think there was enough in it to take any more action. Fair enough, Richard. Yeah, I think even with Tishbola's movement, he almost, as he goes to press Scott Brown, he kind of lowers himself down. So Scott Brown's then arm at shoulder height then becomes at Tishbola's head height. But there's no malice in it. It's, it's essentially what Shelley said. It's just putting your arm out to feel where your opponent is to protect, you know, to try and get the ball and protect the ball. I don't think there's anything in that at all. And I think Tishbola um, deserves a, a clap on the back for that because, you know, how many times have we seen players 
hitting the deck and rolling around on the back of something like that to try and exacerbate the situation? No, I, I wouldn't say it deserves a pat on the back. That's what normal players should be doing. Well, yeah, but... Yeah, but, that's but, just what a player should uh-huh. do, Rob. Well, uh, yeah, well, I take, I take that point, but, it, but it's kind of unusual it in is, a way. It is. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't... Luckily, up in Scotland, we don't suffer much of that, you know, kind of trying to get opponents sent off by over, over-egging certain contacts. But yeah, fair, fair play to him. I mean... Yeah, he's completely right. What Tishbola's reaction was exactly as your reaction yeah. should be, but we've seen seen it the other way around. Where again, it's it's just almost the same as the as the diving situation. If you if you are over egging an injury that you're trying to pretend to the referee that another player's caused you to to get him booked or sent off, then it's it's cheating. You know, you're you're trying to you're trying to con the referee. You're trying to gain an advantage for your team unfairly. We're going big on the disciplinary at the start of the the Go Radio Football Show for a Thursday with uh, Rob McLean, Richard Foster and Shelley Kerr. What about Kemar Roof? Um, You were in the sports scene studio last night. You were watching that game. I heard what you had to say as well about about Kemar Roof. Is he going to be hearing from the the compliance officer? Could the reaction taken against him for that stamp on Murray Davidson? I don't think so, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of inconsistencies um, with the you process. You know about the corridors of power at the Scottish FA. Come no on. comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, li- listen. I, I, I was. I watched the game, and um, what I would say is, at the time, I didn't even notice. You know how bad it was. I had to watch it again and again and again. However, when you watch it again and again and again, it's a reckless challenge. What What I will say is, as a player and a former player many moons ago. I can see what he's trying to do. He's trying to protect the ball. He uses, you know, the width of his body to try and shield it. But he then puts his foot out, which results in a lunge. And the way that Murray Davidson has, has planted his foot, it's it's been a reckless challenge. And I think it should have been a red. However, the referee saw it. He's deemed it to be a yellow. So I don't think there will be retrospective action on that one. I think it was a red card, though. I hate I hate diving. I also hate it when people say, "Oh, he's not like that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't often do that." So he, you know, he's a really nice person. He helps old ladies across the road and all that sort of stuff. But you no, know, no uh, one's ever said uh, that about me. I <laughs> know. I can imagine. Um, what did you think? Um, I have to agree with with Shelley. I think it's a red card. Um, the referees probably not you know not seen the extent of the damage that he's caused Murray Davidson. But I don't think there's any intent there. You know, I think you referred to it as a stamp earlier. I don't think it's a stamp. He's he's essentially lunging to try and regain control um, of his poor touch and keep the ball. Um, I don't Does it not end up as a stamp? Yes, but I mean, if, you, if your leg's in the air and, and you come into contact with another player, it, it's, you know, to me, a stamp is, is the Morales incident. You see the leg there, you can avoid it, you stand on it anyway. Whereas uh, Kemar Roof has not done that. He's, he's, he's an honest attempt to win the ball. And yes, he's put in a poor challenge and it should have been a red card. But I don't think there'll be any retrospective action because I don't think there was any intent to hurt the player. Um, and I just think it's a dangerous tackle that the referee at the time thought wasn't as severe as we hadn't, we can now see in slow uh, uh, footage that it, it was. It was David Monroe, wasn't it, the the, the referee? And, and as you say, Shelley, I mean, the assumption certainly we used to make was that if if it was punished at the time with a yellow card, then then they can't go back in and turn it into a red. But But who knows? No, you don't. And going back to Roof's reaction, I always think you can tell a lot about the player's reaction. And I, Roof has genuinely made an attempt to to, get, to win the ball. As Richard says, it's a poor touch from him. And he's, you see his reaction afterwards. He actually shows frustration and he's disappointed with his touch. Yeah. 
So he, if you are putting in a really reckless challenge and you think that you've hurt someone, you don't react like that. So I don't think that he was aware of the extent of Murray Davison's injury. So I, I, I feel a bit, no sympathy for Roof. Um, I don't, but I do feel genuinely that he's went to try and win the ball. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that what transpired was what he was intending at all. Um, but it, but it goes beyond the liable to cause injury because it did cause injury. And and uh, on a personal level, I guess um, it's going to be a real shame if that counts. Murray Davidson, I think he was having a scan today. Um, if he misses the cup final on the twenty eighth. Uh, having, I think he missed the Scottish yeah, Cup final, uh, Richard, on the in 2014. Yeah, he had a, yeah, I think he has a, knee, a serious knee injury with the, the Scottish Cup final. So it will, you know, be very disappointing for him if if that, you know, means he's going to miss that game. But you know, in football, you get injuries, you get these contact injuries. People put in tackles, and if if they are mistimed um, slightly, then you, you, the result in the tackle we've just seen. The thing is with Murray is. Murray won't back out of any challenge so you know other people would have maybe seen that coming and stepped out the way but Murray's just thinking well no he's kind of full-blooded he's gone in for it and he's took a he's took a nasty one and and like I said like you I hope he is he's fine for the um the cup final I do believe he he, he was walking after the game which is always a good sign and I don't think he was in a boot so um here's hoping that he'll, he'll make a full recovery we're not going to talk to disciplinary all night long. We're not going to talk uh, Scottish FA rules and regulations. You'll be delighted to know uh, all night long. Um, but we will come back to that, and I'm sure you might want us to come back to that as well. And if you want to have your say on uh, the fact that Albion Yeti has been cited uh, for the alleged dive, we might re- remove the alleged in the course of the uh, of the show. That was Tuesday night, of course, at Kilmarnock. You might want to talk about Kemar Roof on Murray Davidson at Ibrox last night, which was a yellow card in the the view of the referee David Munro. Rangers 1, St Johnston 0. It's a 23 points of a gap. It's 27 games unbeaten for Rangers. 24 wins and 3 draws. Uh, Six times in the league this season they've won 1-0. It was 1-0 of course last night. Uh, The only goal of the game for me is Hadji and this was Gary McAllister on the Rangers performance. I thought the second half we, we got a wee bit more rhythm. I thought St Johnson did come and make it difficult. You could see that why they've managed to get themselves into a cup final. They're very well organised, very well drilled. They set up how we thought they would set up, but we still found it difficult to play through them. But there was good parts of the game where I thought we, we showed control. I thought at times in the game, Joe Arriba was excellent. But it took a wee bit of magic from Yanis Hadji just to make the difference. So that was, that was big. It was a big three points again. And of course, Shelley, uh, that was Gary McAllister in a cave uh, today <laughs> by the by the sounds of it. Uh, six wins away from the title. Yeah, I mean, I think they've been phenomenal. And you know, the last few weeks they went under the radar. You mentioned about, you know, just winning games by the odd goal. I think it's five out of the last six games they've won by the, the odd goal. But they went under the radar because everyone's been talking about Celtic's downfall. And, you know, I've heard interviews from Stephen Gerrard talking about it's been three years in the making, and it has. You don't get to that level where everyone's got a connection on the pitch. They know what they're doing. They know the passing patterns. They know the movements. No matter who comes in, no matter who's injured, who's suspended, the other players come in and they've got a style and a system of play that works. Even when you make small adjustments, whether you play two sitting midfielders or two number 10s, they know exactly what they're doing and that takes time and I think you can see evidence of it this year and 
I think the one thing that they have done better in the, in the last maybe a couple of weeks um, through the last few games is actually they've won games where they've no won by any more than that one goal. So they've got a mindset now that maybe they didn't have last year in the season before that. And as I say, it takes time to bed all that in. But I thought St. Johnson last night were impressive the way that they set up. But you have to say, and even in the first half, Rangers created about three or four chances. And there were, three, I think, three in particular were sitters. So yeah. they should have been 3 nil up at half time, in my opinion. Yeah, and another night, it could have been a much more comfortable win. Um, looking at the quality of the chances they had so it was Hadji who got the only goal of the game Uh, Rangers 1-0 winners against St Johnston Uh, Motherwell beat Dundee United by two goals to one six points out of six for them from the last two and what uh, a result what a turnaround it was at Hamilton last night with Aki's losing in the end to Ross Kenty by two goals to one. What a debut it was for Jordan White. Scored one, made one, and he'll be talking to us up next. The Bull Radio Football Show. Yeah, the Go Radio Football Show on a Thursday night with Rob McLean, Richard Foster and Shelley Kerr in the studio and you. You can join us. Uh, give us a call. Uh, what's on your mind? 0808 17 17 700. Text Go in your message to 874 And uh, we always get some good messages on the socials. At Go Football Show connect you with us. In the course of this uh, midweek then, a uh, big win for for Celtic, what an important win it was. Their first away win of 2021. Their, only their second win of any sort. Kilmarnock nil, Celtic 4. Aberdeen nil, Livingston 2. Living the dream. Uh, 14 unbeaten. They've lost one of 18. Uh, Davy Martindale's team. And uh, what a win it was for them up at Pitodri. Hibs went third, courtesy of their 2-1 win in Paisley on Tuesday against St Mirren. Uh, And last night, Rangers reopened that 23-point gap at the top of the Premiership. Uh, 1-0, Yanis Hadji got the only goal of the game. It was Motherwell 2, Dundee United 1, six points out of six for Graham Alexander. They're making a move now up the table. And Ross County put four points between themselves and Hamilton by beating Ackies on their home patch. And what a win it was because County were... One goal down with 10 minutes to go. And the toast, Jordan White was very much White and Mackay, wasn't it? How are you doing? How are you getting on? Good, how are you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Do you want us to sing happy birthday to you? (laughs) No, you don't need to. I've had plenty of that today. Uh, Actually, to be honest, I've heard uh, Richard Foster and Shelley Kerr singing. (laughs) And you don't need that. You don't want that to be that in your life. <laughs> to be to be perfectly honest. Anyway, how, how's the birthday so far? Yeah, it's been good. Uh, obviously, we're in training today again, uh, looking towards Saturday. But no, it's been good. Been uh, spoiled. What a debut, Jordan! Yeah, it was brilliant. I think um, obviously it's one of the ones everyone's kind of fell for you. And it, it, you were in the right place at the right time and it's went for us, so I couldn't ask for much more than that. Is Jason Naismith claiming that he picked you out with a pinpoint pass? Yeah, I think he, I think he said he was going to shoot and then he seen me at the last minute. <laughs> but, uh, it, just, it was one of the ones that came to the edge of the box. He thought he'd have a shot and like 
usually when I see a defender shooting, I always think there's a chance of the ball coming in the box. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, one hand to put it in. As long as you're not between the posts and under the crossbar, you're probably safe uh, with a Jordan Naismith shot that it might come your way. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you you created the. Uh, the second goal, the winning goal for for Billy Mackay. Uh, lo- it was a lovely yeah. cushioned finish, lovely guided finish from him, wasn't it? But uh, I thought, I thought, I mean, without blowing smoke up your rear quarters, um, you, you waited, didn't you? You just waited your moment because he was the only guy you could pick out. Yeah, well, I kind of I, I sprung off side trap and um, I showed a bit of pace that I don't normally show, and then the line was <laughs> longer than normal for kind of people to come in and I didn't want to just put the ball in when nobody was there and I seen him arriving and I thought I'll just kind of put it in but it's a, it's a great it was a good ball but it's a great finish as well so it was it was really pleasing to see even Shelley Kerr on the telly was raving about it as well weren't you Jordan um, do you know what it, it was it was a fantastic delivery and I, I wanted to ask you a couple of things the first thing was you know when you put the ball in because there was about five five Hamilton defenders in the box and nobody picked them up. Did you actually see where you're aware of that in terms of the way that they were set up, or did you just feel that if you get the delivery so precise that obviously he was going to finish? Yeah, well, I kind of I, I was quite surprised because as I had the ball, um, I was surprised the defender didn't kind of come and try and close me down. I thought I might maybe have to take him on or get to the byline, but he, he just kind of sat off, so that allowed me to kind of wait and see the runners coming in and. And when I see seen Billy coming in, I was just thinking, just try and get it in his kind of vicinity. And, and thankfully, he put it away with a great finish. It was like a foster cross, wasn't it? I don't, <laughs> know, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, can usually, I can usually see the guys in the box and I can see the runs they make. I just kind of get the ball to them. <laughs> Jordan, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued. And tell me truthfully here, what did Yogi say to you before you went on the pitch? He just, listen, Yogi, Gaffer's he's brilliant. He just he, he wants you to be honest. He wants you to work hard and and he wants you to take care of the ball. And he, he doesn't ask much of you. He just wants you to give everything for him. Um, and I I kind of felt myself I had a wee bit of a point to prove as well. Um, and thankfully it worked out. But no, he, he he was great with us. We've had him on the show a few times and, and you do feel like you've had something performance enhancing uh, when, when he when he comes on because he just, he makes you, he makes you smile and I, and I guess, you know, he's, he, he's had a big impact at Ross County at a crucial stage of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, he's a very infectious character and, and it comes across in, in the way they play and he, he always tries to do the right things. He tries to play football the right way and, and you'll never kind of come away from that, and and you got to respect that. And you get, I, th- I think, I, I know a lot of players that have played under him, and I've I've never heard anybody kind of say a bad word about him. So I think that tells you a lot about the kind of man he is. Great for you to get off to a scoring start. I mean, as a striker, I mean, whatever. I mean, obviously the fact you won the game helps last night as well. But but just to to get a goal, you you don't want to be going through six or seven games without scoring, do you, as a striker? No, absolutely. I think that's they always say the first one's always the hardest. So the quicker you can get it is is brilliant. But no, I'm absolutely delighted. But I was delighted for Billy as well. And I think you've got all the show who's done really well there. So we've got we've got boys who are in form and and doing well. So it can only be good for us. It's been a while between goals, hasn't it, for Billy Mackay? Yeah, but I, I mean, I think 
like me when I was at Motherwell, some, sometimes you just don't get the rub of the green and things don't fall for you. And um, I think that but everybody knows the the quality that Billy has. Um, he's, a, he's a top class finisher, and, um, and he showed that last night as well. It must have been a Shelley, a strange one for for John Hughes and, and Brian Rice tonight because the I mean they're they're so matey. The as you said on the show last night, they 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 lived together, which is a fairly mind boggling thought. Uh, <laughs> at, at one stage, uh, they're so friendly, and yet last night it was head to head. It was dog eat dog, wasn't it? Do you know, it was. I was really intrigued to see how the game would go. You've got two people that know each other, two coaches and managers that know each other inside out, that have worked together, and I was thinking about the preparation and the lead up to the game would they be talking about how they would play and set up you know because I think obviously Brian Rice knows how John Hughes' teams set up in terms of how they play they want to play through the units um, they want to play attractive expansive football and then you've got Hamilton who the chips have been down just now who are going to set up defensively so I was really intrigued in it so it was quite fascinating the way that unfolded obviously Hamilton going a goal up and then obviously Jordan impact as a substitute and and you've got to take a lot of credit for that Jordan as well it's not easy to do come in at the latter stages of a game but it must have been great for yourself and Mackay to come on and, and make a difference I was also going to ask you in terms of what's your kind of targets for the rest of the season obviously you mentioned um, Mackay there you mentioned Ollie Shaw as well is there room for all three of you to play in the same team? Um, I mean that's up for the up to the manager to decide that, but oh come on! <laughs> I, I don't see, I don't see why not. But listen, we've, uh, I think the, the main, our main target is, is staying in the league and and um, picking up as many points as we can. So um, that's all we're kind of focusing on just now. It, we've got a, I've got a big squad, so we're going to need everybody. Um, but yeah, we're, we're just obviously we're delighted with the win last night, and hopefully we can go again on, on Saturday and. And make it even better. What went wrong for you at Motherwell? Was it was it just about opportunities, Jordan? Yeah, I feel that. And, and as uh, Shelley said, like coming on to a game, it's it's very difficult. I personally, I find it very hard at times. I, I'm not as a, an impact player as such. I, I think I'm, I feel that I'm better. <laughs> you were last you night. Do yourself a disservice. <laughs> yeah, I know, but obviously last. You better night, add that to your CV. Well, exactly. So it was. It was nice to see that. I think last night as well, obviously, because making the move, I probably had a fresher mind uh, going into it. So I wasn't maybe looking at it the same way as when I was coming on off the bench for Motherwell. Um, it was just a wee bit of fresh mind and going into it. So, no, it, it, it was good. But, yeah, as I say, it's not easy coming off the bench. And the Highland air seems to work for you, doesn't it? Because, uh, you know, you had a great last couple of seasons with Inverness Cali Thistle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I like up here. I think um, we've moved up quite quick, and obviously, my wife and my kid are, are up with me as well. So um, they're always very supportive, and and just go anywhere that I drop a hat, you know. So it's good. It's a it's a great result. It's a massive boost, but you're still in the midst of a huge scrap as well, aren't you? I mean, no, nobody, you know, you don't need told about that because although the league table looks better, and you've got that four point gap at the bottom, Hamilton have got a couple of games in hand, so so there is the potential for you get, to get dragged back down again. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the kind of old, old cliche saying like you take one game at a time, but. Uh, it, it's true and we don't want to get carried away by ourselves. It's one win at the end of the day. 
Um, we've got to go and, and take that win and, and build on Saturday. I think we've got a chance. It's going to be a tough game, um, but hopefully we can get three points. And it is, uh, I mean, it's... Uh... <laughs> There's nothing nice about this stage of the season when you get down to the business end. When it when it comes when you look at last night, couldn't have been much more polarised as a as a early relegation tussle, uh, and that game, um, Richard, at the weekend, Ross County. Dundee, I mean, Dundee United are slipping and sliding on the back of of losing again last night. Maybe they were a bit unlucky not to get a point out of that, but they've lost again. They haven't won for a while, and you can see them getting uh, sucked in possibly at the bottom um, yeah you know I've been in I've been in squads and teams when, when you just can't kind of buy a win from anywhere and I think Dundee United are now 13 12 13 games without a win um, so it's it's probably a good time for, for County to, to uh, face them on the back of that Hamilton then go and play Rangers on Sunday yeah. um, so it's, it's a real opportunity for, for Ross County to get you know seven points and then that almost Negates the two games in hand that, that, that Hamilton have got, so it's it's a massive opportunity. And on the back of a, an impressive comeback win last night, you would certainly fancy Ross County at home against Dundee United team who went. You know they don't score a lot of goals, and they went for much of the season. And they've had, you know, runs of five clean sheets in a row, and then they'll suddenly lose five nil or five one or four nil. So um, they're a bit of a mixed bag at the moment, and and they'll be hurting um, right now. So I, I I would imagine it's a good time for Ross County to face them. And Jordan, that's what's going to make a difference for, for Ross County, isn't it? Because one win here or there is great, but uh, it doesn't really get you out of out of jail. Whereas if you can put a couple of wins together, and, and as Richard says, if Hamilton get nothing, which, which wouldn't be too surprising on Sunday, then you start to see a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like, like, like I said, we, we take one game at a time, but if you can get that couple of games in a row where you get back-to-back wins and, and you, you, you gain more confidence and it, there's just a better feel about the place and you go into games thinking, oh no, we are going to win this, but we're not going to just try and take a point or, or anything. So, um, no, it's very important, especially at this stage of the season. It's a fair old squad at Ross County, isn't it? There are plenty, plenty of bodies around there. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of bodies, um, but there's a lot of quality as well. Um, it's not just... N- n- um, numbers per se but um, there's a lot of quality in there and I think um, we're at that stage where if if somebody drops out there's somebody there to come in and and we don't really weaken the team Shelley, Ross County and Hamilton are obviously in the relegation scrap at the moment we're talking there about Dundee United getting dragged into it do you see Kilmarnock as as part of that bracket as well at the bottom? Yeah I think so and it'll be interesting obviously to see you know which direction Kilmarnock going in terms of a new appointment? Um, I think you know it's a well-known fact that sometimes you get a bit of lift when there's a new manager comes in. So that will be interesting to see. But certainly they've been dragged into it. But I have to say, I think that you know Richard makes a good point about Ross County and, and Dundee United. It's a great time for Ross County on the back of a, a really really good win. I think the way you win a game, you know, gives you that wee bit more motivation. So see when you come back. And you score the two goals late on, you're, you're in such a high. And I would imagine that training was good today, maybe a bit shaping tomorrow, maybe find out, Jordan, if you're in the team or not tomorrow. And then, you know, as I say, but I think the other thing to be mindful of is Dundee United. They will want a response because mm. they will feel that they should have got something out of the game last night and they didn't. So I think it'll be a good game. Was your game good form today, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, you, uh, Gaffer's always in uh, <laughs> Silly always question. In good form. Uh, 
he's always uh, cracking jokes and that. And also, no, it was good. It was good spirits about the place, and um, it was obviously good. I think after the the Motherwell game last week, the, a few boys were maybe down, given the lead away and and, and then losing the game. Uh, but to bounce back like that for being one 0 down, so it was it was good spirits today. And you're available to start on Saturday if required. <laughs> yeah. Well, ho- hopefully, hopefully I am. I mean, the managers maybe got a couple of um, difficult decisions, but that's why he's a manager, and, and I'm sure he'll make the right one. Jordan, well done on last night, and uh, enjoy the rest of your birthday. Cheers, I appreciate that. And thanks, thanks for joining us on the Go Radio Football Show. That is Ross County striker uh, Jordan White. A dream debut, I think, covers it. And uh, sounds like he's having a pretty happy birthday as well. More football chat on the way. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. That was Chris with the travel. Thanks for that. Uh, we'll keep you up to date if you're on your way home or possibly you're at home and you haven't been anywhere else and uh, you want to listen to some football chat well this is the place to be and you can get involved in it as well we're always happy uh, when you join the football conversation and there's always plenty to talk about Rob McLean, Shelley Kerr, Richard Foster, who disappeared uh, during the last commercial break, and uh, there was a suspicion you were away for a Hamilton Ackies, but we're we're not we're not sure. I'm not sure if we can say that, but uh, want to comment. No, in a no comment no situation, comment. yeah, because there was that uh, situation where the the uh, Hamilton Ackies commentator seems to be out of a job after maybe going a little bit too far, Shelley, with the the toilet humour. <laughs> God, it's, it's great when both guests say no comment So we'll probably leave it at that uh, Last night in uh, the SPFL Premiership Hamilton 1, Ross County 2 Some good chat there with Jordan White on his birthday uh, What a debut he had as Ross County came back With two goals in the last 10 minutes To beat Hamilton and put four points between themselves And the bottom of the league table Graham Alexander's Motherwell have uh, put together back-to-back wins It was uh, 2-1 against uh, Dundee United uh, last night We haven't really... I had time to speak about that game, Shelley, so far. You obviously watched a fair bit of it uh, prior to your TV appearance uh, last night. Uh, what did you make of Motherwell? Yeah, I think um, set up really well. Um, Graham Alexander's come in, obviously be delighted now. Back-to-back wins, I think that is. Um, I thought they were direct in their play. Um, the three strikers, Watt, Long and Cole, I thought they'd done well. Um, they caused Dundee United problems. Um I think Dundee United in the first half didn't get started. Um, they made a change in the second half. Pollock came on and I think he made a massive difference. And I think in the end, um, they got one goal back. They were a wee bit unlucky not to get something out of the game. But there's definitely a vulnerability um, with Dundee United defensively. Um, I think they're the draw specialist. I think they've got maybe 11 draws. So it's quite clear that they need to find the right ingredient to get success here um, because they are starting to maybe go down the table a wee bit. So I think it will be concerning for Mickey Mellon. There looked to be a a lot of energy about Motherwell last night, Richard. Yeah, I think that's, you know, last season, um, that's what their team were built on. You know, the three in midfield were very, very good, very energetic, covered a lot of distance and had a lot of pace in the forward areas. Um, this season, especially to start with, they haven't really reached you know those heights. I know that they've now a new manager in, but I'm just looking at the league table here. You know that they're in ninth place. They're two points behind 
with well, the three, uh, four points behind St Mirren in sixth place. So mm. they're not having that bad a season. But I yeah. think just what we've seen last season and how good they were last season, there's been a massive drop off in terms of what they produced this season. But I do think the front three. Um, are creating more are getting fo- you know, the ball's going forward quicker it's staying up the top of the park and they're they're, they're able to, to maintain the ball in the other teams half a lot more which will allow them to, to create more chances and hopefully for them score more goals but they've got a decent enough squad there um, that you know I do think they're in a false position but at the end of the day you need to go out and win games so obviously getting the back-to-back victories will be massively important for them and it goes back to what we were talking about St Johnston, eh, Ross County earlier that it's it's confidence you know you win back-to-back games for the first time in a while it breeds confidence and then you go into your next game and, and like uh, Jordan said on the phone there you go into the next game thinking we're going to win this one and not going oh no I hope we don't lose and there's a there's a massive difference in that kind of positive mindset um, and I think you'll see Motherwell now start to climb their way back up the league there oh there sorry Shelley no there was there's kind of three talking points for me with, with Motherwell I think the loss of Turnbull how you recover from that then obviously Stephen Robinson leaving getting a new manager in and then the chat around Gallagher Stephen O'Donnell maybe moving on and I think those things, they're more impactful to the dressing room because, you know, you have to get stability in there. So there's three things for me that's hindered Motherwell this season and maybe, just maybe now, that's them back on track. I, I wondered how significant it was that uh, Christopher Long got a goal, a really well-taken goal. He whipped it in, didn't he? It was, a good, it was a good finish from him. I like him as a player, but he seems to have gone missing for a while. And if, Mother, if, if they can get him back to his top form, I think he's a, he's a big player for them. I think he is as well. I think in, in he's, he's obviously kind of came to the club. Um, did he, is he on loan now or is he signed full-time? I think he's signed, yeah. Yeah, but I think he was maybe one of the players that when I heard Stephen Robinson talking about earlier in the season that players that have not quite met the levels, and I think he would have been one of those that would have fit into that category because um, he does have he's he's lightning quick and he's a good finisher, but he just he was getting into positions this season uh, earlier in the season and he just didn't look composed, he didn't look comfortable, and um, where you see from his finish last night that he does have that in the locker to 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 be that main striker and and have the ability to to put the ball in the back of the net, which you know you don't know if he was just having a a bad run of form which which happens to everyone um, but it, it seems like he's managing now to turn his form around and, and if you're Graham Alexander um, that can only be a positive thing for you Richard Foster Shelley Kerr Rob McLean Glasgow's own Go Radio the football show and uh, we have Chris joining us on the line from the the Man On podcast Chris hi how are you doing? Hi there, how, how are you doing guys, you alright? Yeah, good, 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 to, good to have you on the show. T- tell us about Man On, the, the podcast, Chris, what's it all about? Yeah, so we're, we're, we're effectively a, a, a mental health support group um, and in Berkeley. And I was really keen to come on today because it's a sort of national event for, for mental health today in terms of Time to Talk, which is trying to get people to open up and, and talk to people and, and check in with people. So I was really just keen to come on and, and just share a bit about what we're doing um, and in Berkeley and, and hopefully anybody listening uh, might actually reach out to us or have a, have a chat with us, you know, if, if they're struggling. Um, we do loads of stuff um, in the in the community, but as we know with coronavirus, a lot of it's sort of online, which is where the, the podcast came from. Um, but certainly for, for us, we just want to kind of reach out to, to people. It's, it's tough times just now, as we know, with coronavirus um, and it's really important to, to talk to people and, and, and check in with pals and 
we know that there's, there's people out there at the minute that are suffering alone in, in silence, you know, and, and we just want to just raise our profile a bit just so that people know that they can talk to you. You don't need to be from, from Inverclyde as well. Um, but we're, we're suicide prevention is our, is our main thing, but it's, it's more about mental health and, and wellbeing. And I set it up myself um, last year, nearly lost my dad uh, to uh, suicide last year and set it up and things have, have really kind of went from there. So, yeah, it's just funny. Share a little bit um, about that. And I thought it was probably a, a good night to do yeah. that way. Uh, paint the top and stuff like that happening. So yeah, um, j- just doing that. And if anybody is listening and, and you are struggling, I know one thing that's getting all of us through it just now is, is football. Yeah. Um, so shows like this is, is really important, I think, for people. It gives people a bit of structure, a bit of routine. Um, so long live the football and looking forward to the Euros happening in the summer as well because there's nothing worse when there's no football in the summer either. So... Such a such a, a massive issue, Shelley, isn't it? Yeah, it's and and it's tough, like Chris says, especially during COVID. And I was going to ask you, Chris, what kind of how have you managed to get people guests on your podcast? And you know, what kind of do you go off topic? What what's your main topics? And and by the way, um, great kudos to you because you do a fantastic job. Um, but you know, that was a couple of questions that I wanted to ask you. Yeah, no, thank you very much. I appreciate that. It, we just kind of, I'm on Twitter, so I just chance my luck basically with, with people on Twitter and see if they'll come on. We, we, basically, man on obviously comes from football in terms of, you know, the shout on the part that there's somebody close by to you. And my idea was that something we could put in the community that somebody feels there's always somebody close by. So I'm trying to get all of my footballers and stuff like that on um, on the show. But just a range of people um, but we get people to come on and share their story real people who live in communities who are struggling and we found that that does obviously inspire other people too um, to get in touch and to reach out because the worst thing you can do if you're, if you're sitting with your thoughts is, is not share it with somebody you know and we want to be that source of support I suppose and that's where the podcast comes it's just it's a way to get into people's houses I suppose without actually physically going in um, so yeah they, they, we've been enjoying doing them and I think we're all very conscious of that on here as well, that it is a, an opportunity for people to talk football, what they, which they love doing and, and the chance to just let off a little bit of steam. And, and if that can be any amount of assistance, even a small amount of help, then then that's that's a good thing. You're a Rangers fan, Chris. We're, we're rapidly running out of time here as we head up to the towards the six o'clock yeah. news. But you're a Rangers fan, so you're on the, the title countdown. Yeah, we're on a title countdown. Uh, I just wanted to say a thanks to Vicky uh, Foster, obviously, because one of my most special memories um, following Rangers was in Lisbon when he played in the game the two each game with Juf and, and Edu. So thanks for that, myself and my brother. <laughs> well done about 14 rows. <laughs> um, no problem, it was a it, pleasure. Uh, it was good. It was good. And I always remember you getting man of the match against uh, Valencia, against Waimata and Co. that season as well. So. Thanks for your your. your he's, he's modest. Rangers. He doesn't he doesn't mention that much. He only mentions it a couple of times per show. That was my two good games. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> so no, we, no, you would though. You would though. So when's the title going to be won? Could it be? Could it be Celtic Park? That match has been switched, of course, today to the Sunday uh, next month. Uh, the next Old Firm game. Uh, Chris, could could uh, how would it feel to to win the title at Celtic Park? Do you think that might happen? I think it could, but for me, it, it doesn't really matter where it happens. As long as it happens, it's been so long. The journey we've been on, I was I was there at, at Breakin when the, the ball gets stuck in the hedge and everything yeah. else. I've been there, followed near and far across Europe, you know, and, and it's it's been tough. So for me, I couldn't care less where no. 
where we win it. The, the only downside is the fact that the fans won't be there to, to enjoy it, you know. But exactly. for me, as soon as we get it done, the better. The one nil results last night are the ones that win your titles. So yeah. for me, I'm just looking forward to it happening, hopefully, and the countdown is on. So whenever. And just before you go, uh, how do how does any, anybody wants to get in touch? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search Man on Inverclyde. We've got a website as well. Podcasts are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Same, same again, Man on Inverclyde. Um, give us a message on there. If you, you want to you know, help somebody else, if you're concerned about somebody else, get in touch with us as well. We're not professionals, but we can certainly uh, offer a listening ear, and sometimes that's all people need. More power to you, and uh, well done on, on what you're doing, Chris. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Good to have you on the show. All the best. That is Chris and the man on podcast News at Six on the way. And another hour of football chat. Feel the heat of the game. The crunching tackles. The near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last minute heartache. And the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on heat pumps, servicing and breakdowns, renewable energy and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. The Bull Radio Football Show. Yeah, that's the telephone number which links you with us. It was good to have Chris on the show from the the Man On podcast uh, doing great work uh, in the Inverclyde community and he was giving you the uh, means to get in touch with him as well if you just want to talk to somebody and sometimes it's that basic. uh, That's all you need to uh, get you on the... Uh, the straight and narrow again. So that's the phone number, 0808 17 17 700, that gets you on the show. If you want to join us, text go on your message to 874 uh, and on the socials at Go Football Show. I've got some good uh, questions and messages from you already on that, and we will fire them shortly at uh, Messrs Care and Foster. Um, 0808 17 17 700 Last night Rangers won St Johnston nil and uh, Stephen Gerrard's team that was his 100th win by the way uh, which probably was the perfect cue for Gary McAllister to do the media conference uh, today Uh, We've heard from him already we'll hear a little bit more from Gary as well he's got some interesting thoughts too and we'll get the reaction um, of our guests in the studio to that and we'll hear uh, as well from Yanis Hadji Natasha has uh, joined us on the show. Hi, Natasha. Hi, guys. How are you doing? How are you? Good, thank you. Good. What would you like to talk about? So, I thought I'd talk about the um, Yeti incident. I know you've covered it before, but um, it's a bit concerning, really. Um, I think it sets a bit of a dangerous precedent going forward. I mean, I think the penalty was soft, but I don't think it was a dive. I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. Um you know, as a striker, rightly or wrongly, if you feel contact in the box, you're going to go down. And if we look at this incident closely, there was, albeit minimal, there was contact. So now we've entered the realm of needing a referee to assess whether there was enough contact to award a penalty. And that's just a really difficult thing to judge. Do you not think so he flung guess, himself, Natasha? Do you not think, think there was a, there was a theatrical did. side to it? Yeah, and to be 
honest, I think if he hadn't done that, it would have probably looked a bit more convincing. Yeah. But there was contact. So if you're a player or if you're a manager, do you want your player going down in that situation to, to win the penalty or do you want them to stay on their feet? Well, I guess that's right, isn't it? I mean, sometimes a manager would criticise a striker uh, afterwards and say, why did, he, why did he not go down? If he'd gone down, we might have got the penalty. Yeah, but I think you, you run the risk there of just... It's going to happen against you if you, if you you know if you get a penalty for you by telling your players to go down at any touch, um, then it's going to happen against you at some point, um, and so it's and it just then becomes a perpetual thing that happens in football that people dive all over the place and and as a player on the pitch it is one of the most frustrating things. Now, you know I'm not a big guy at all. I'm five feet ten. I'm twelve twelve and a half stone. But sometimes you'll run into players who are who probably outweigh me by four stone and they fall over and the referee gives them a free kick and you just think. The physics of this doesn't work out. There is no way that my contact has knocked you over. Similarly, you've run into me and I've not fallen over and you're much bigger than I am. So football is a contact sport. There's going to be contact in the box, but they have the goalkeeper hasn't impeded Ayeti. He hasn't brought him to the ground. He's he's touched him. If Ayeti wanted to, he could have still taken control of the ball and, and moved it away from the goalkeeper. But he was going into that challenge thinking, as soon as I feel the slightest of touch, I'm going to throw my legs out and get a penalty, which in that occasion worked for him. Shelley? I agree with Richard, but I can I can take your points, Natasha. I can see where you're coming from. But um, speaking as an ex-defender, and Richard's probably speaking as a defender as well. Yeah. You know, it gets irritating when you play the game, and even you make the point about the manager as well. I know if that's one of my players, I I don't think I would be expecting him to make as much as what he did off it. If I'm being honest with you, that that's my personal take on it. Although I can understand where you're coming from, but I I don't think it was a penalty. I mean, you know, I mean, another factor in it was that Colin Doyle should have stayed in his line. The goalkeeper who came who came racing out along the byline, crazily uh, diving down and, and and getting involved in the, in the first place. But I guess that doesn't that shouldn't affect uh, your your thinking about it. Um, you know, he, yes, he did fling himself. I, Natasha's point, I guess, was that this this could be a dangerous precedent, Shelley. Yeah, but I think. People, players, managers will look at this situation now and, and start to speak to the players and say, you, you can't be doing that unless you are. We're just looking at it on the telly, actually, with <laughs> Natasha, with the immaculate timing. It's just come on the, the telly on Sky Sports News and we're just getting a good look at uh, a swan dive I, from I'm looking Ayeti. at it again, Natasha, and it's not a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm two feet away from it and I've just seen it twice again. It's not a penalty. Do you not think, yeah, Nata- yeah. Do you not think Natasha, that anything uh, that, that persuades players to stay on their feet when when the contact has not been enough to knock them over, is is a good thing. I do, and I think it could improve the game. Um, and it's probably something we'd all like to see. You know, I just to come back to the point. I agree. I don't think it's a penalty. I think it's very soft. Um, but you see them given. Um, you know, he has made contact with his feet, and I guess he's been too theatrical about it. I don't think it was necessarily worth fighting him for a dive um, because I don't think it's that uncommon in the game but if that's what it's going to take to stop it and if players are going to start getting cited for this then fine you know absolutely fine as long as that's applied consistently so now we need to look at any time that happens in the box you have to have the player being cited for that bit of consistency that we're looking for How good has he yet been? Has he convinced you at all? 
do you know what? He got off to a great start. He really he did. did. And I thought, you know, we found something here. You know, we found someone who can realistically replace Edward when he goes. Um, since then, of course, he's went completely off the radar. He's went off by a bit. And, you know, that was his first goal in 16 games. You know, that's not a return for a striker. But he gets that goal and you think, OK, kick start, find some of the form you had when you first arrived on the scene. You know, and now he's likely looking at a ban and a knock in confidence. And I'm just worried that'll halt his progress again. I did see some stats. I mentioned this last night on the show that, that I did see some stats about his minutes uh, in, in, in league games on the pitch. And he scored six and I think he's, he's assisted two. Uh, and and the stats actually read quite positively mm-hmm. for him and quite encouragingly for him. But but I guess you know you've got to make judgments on on things other than stats, Richard. Yeah, you do. You know you've got to also th- uh, take into consideration what he brings to the team as a whole. I think if you play as a striker for Celtic, you're going to get chances. You know that's whether you're on the pitch for 20 minutes, whether you're on the pitch for the full game, you're going to get chances. Um, so yes, probably. In terms of the minutes on the pitch, his return, the six goals and the two assists is, is probably quite good. But for large parts of a lot of the games that he started, he's relatively anonymous. Now, I know that that kind of striker at the top end of the, if they play a 4 2 3 1 or the diamond in the midfield, they don't often get themselves heavily involved in the build up and they want to just be in the box. But he, like I say, he for large parts of the game, when Celtic are needing that link player, they're needing someone to, to, to break the lines, he just doesn't seem to fit the way that they play you know I think maybe if if Celtic were a team that were getting the ball in the box and crossing the ball a lot um, then it might suit him suit him more um, but I think when you look at what Edward on form brings to the Celtic team where he'll, he'll drop off and he'll pick the ball up he'll turn he's got the ability to go past players he's got the ability to find a pass to finish I don't think uh, a Yeti at the moment is, is anywhere near that level Natasha what's happening at Celtic, uh, how happy are you, or how unhappy are you about what's happening at the moment, and and what? How do you see it all unfolding in the next few months? I mean, where to begin with what's <laughs> happening? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. easy I question. Wish Come on. I wish there was some communication that told us what on earth was happening at the club. Um, but to be honest, the answer is I don't know. Um, never in your wildest dreams would you have expected this season to have gone the way it has, um, and I don't know what's happening. Um, what I want to see in the next few months and what I think we will see might be different things. Um, okay, so what do you want? What do you want to see? <laughs> what do you want to see happen? I think you know. I think now is the time to to make some changes. I'm I'm a bit concerned that they've written off you know the next three or four months um, and are going to focus on a rebuild in the summer. And to me, I get that point, but I just think it's a waste of the next three or four months. Let's let's start the rebuild now. Let's give the youth players some experience and see the squad that we've got to work with. Um, let's change the management team because it, it can't get much worse and give someone a bit of chance to get settled in before the transfer window rather than waiting till the summer. It's just That would be a waste of time in my opinion. Natasha, I think the last time I was on, I think you called in and you were really frustrated. You mentioned about the management team. Um, mm. what's, what's, your, what's your views on the appointment of um, a new CEO and, and Dominic Mackay? What's your thoughts there? Do you think that he might bring change? I know he's not supposed to come into the summer, but I would imagine he, will, he would have some input. Do you think that'll make a difference to the club? I hope so. Um, you know, just freshening things up a bit, a bit of new vision. Um, you know, Lawwell has been there for a very long time. 17 years in a CEO in any business is a long, long time. Um, and just, you know, that, that change in personnel, freshening things up, someone with new ideas, new vision and new ways of achieving that can only be a good thing. Um, 
although it does lead me to believe that we might perhaps be waiting for him to come into the summer um, before we make any changes or any new appointments in terms of management or coaching staff. But you want to see everything change, I think, by the sounds of it, don't you? You want the not just the CEO to, to head through the exit door. You want Neil Lennon out as well, a new management team in. And, and are you looking for a, a pretty much a, a major player clear out as well? Well, in terms of the management team, I think, you know, we're, we've rehearsed the point many times. It is time for, for Lennon to go. And if we are going to get, you know, a good quality manager in, then they're going to want to bring their own backroom team in. So, you know, that then means that Kennedy and Strachan go or change role as well. Um, so that would be a big management restructure. In terms of the players, um, I think a lot of them will want to leave, to be honest. You know, that you're looking at a core team, you know, if you've got Ayer and Christie and Edward and, you know, players like that who have sort of been a big focus of your team for the last few years, they're going to want to go. Um, so the rebuild's going to happen either way. Um, and it's probably a good timing to do it, to be honest. I mean, when I listened to, to Neil Lennon at the weekend after after Celtic lost to St Mirren and he was talking about players letting him down, that to me sounded like the utterances of a manager who's on the way out. But since then, and on the back of the, the 4-0 win at Kilmarnock, the Neil, the Neil Lennon noises are, are about him being there for the rest of the season, maybe beyond Richard. What do you think? Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think um, at times this season he sounded, you know, he sounded like a defeated manager, um, and his team have have performed that way. I think what they've the Celtic board have done and and maybe not taken the action out, uh, the decision out of his hands is I think they've directed a lot of the flack towards Neil Lennon himself and the management team. I think he's never, he's, it's a club he loves, he's never going to walk away from it. Um, but I've been, at, I've been at clubs before when the dressing room, for whatever reason, is, is maybe not fully supportive of the manager and the only outcome is that the manager goes because you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get rid of 25 players and bring, you know, the, the easier option is to get rid of the manager. Um, now that's, it's not, not a great situation, but it's the harsh reality of, of football management. Um, so I think by allowing him to keep to stay on further, yes, they had a great result the other night. But if 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 moving forward they they lose the next Old Farm game, they will lose the league. I can only see that they kind of all the everything getting directed at Neil Lennon. And I think what he's achieved as a player at the club and certainly as a manager up until this point, I don't think he deserves it. I think he deserves to leave and still be still be counted as a, as a club legend. But the longer it goes on, the frustration with the fans build and, and the point of their frustration will ultimately be in Neil Lennon. Are, are you saying, Natasha, that you would write off the season now and, and change everything right now? Um, and, and do you think you speak for the majority of the Celtic fans in saying that? I wouldn't say right off. I would say maybe utilise it in a different way. I mean, realistically, you know, the season is over for Celtic, um, you know, bar one cup. Um, so I wouldn't say it'd be writing it off. Um, but what I'm seeing is, you know, I don't see a great purpose in playing, for example, a defender like Shane Duffy, who isn't going to be here in four months, rather than Welsh, who's, you know, a prospect for the future that we need to develop. So, you know, might as well give him the game time when the games are counting for, for relatively little. So, you know, use use the rest of it to give the youth some experience. Um, and in terms of speaking for the for the fan base, um I think everyone's I think everyone's feeling the same to be honest. Um it is time for Lennon to go regardless of what he's done for the club in the past and everybody appreciates that. Um you know, this string of results 
for Celtic just isn't good enough. Um, and I imagine he's frustrated at the players. He must be hitting his head off a wall when they don't perform and don't turn up and don't try. But ultimately, it's on him to get them to do that. Um, and it's not working. I heard Craig Gordon on the telly uh, the other night talk, saying that this has been coming for a long time. People may be shocked and surprised about the way things have unfolded this season. Undoubtedly, we're all shocked at, at the unravelling of Celtic. But he was, he was saying the, the roots of this are actually back a few years where Celtic didn't build on a, on a position of strength, Shelley, and maybe a little bit of complacency set in? I think how I would describe it is they've been reactive rather than proactive. Um, I've mentioned it many times now over the last couple of months that I think the biggest problem that they've had is the recruitment. And if you if you look at Rangers, they've got a style, a system. Everyone knows it. They recruit players that can fit into that system, whereas Celtic haven't done that. So when you lose big players um, and they're out injured or out through COVID, which has happened to them this season, self-isolating, they've got huge problems. I have to say, watching the game against Kilmarnock, I thought um, Welsh and Ayer, I've said for long enough now, I personally, I think Ayer's done a decent job at right-back, but for me, he's not a right-back. As soon as you put him into the middle at centre-back with Welsh, I think it's a totally different Celtic team. Mm-hmm. So, And I think, I agree with you, I think Welsh is a good player, Natasha. I think he's got a lot to learn, but, you know, every time he's played, he's done OK. And playing in there with Ayer has, has helped him as well. And I think you could see a better structure, um, obviously... Um, the transfer window, they got John Joe Kenny, who's come in and done really well. So, you know, I, I would ask the question, Natasha, what happens now if Celtic go the rest of the season unbeaten? I don't think it changes too much, to be honest. You've got um, your mind made up, haven't you? Are you renewing your season ticket? Of course I am. Of course I am. Um, that, that won't change. Um, but I think the fact that the results have went the way they are... Um, shows an inability in the, the current management team to, to get the team to perform. Um, and a string of, of good results, unfortunately, isn't going to change that for me. And I don't think it's going to change the mind of Celtic fans in a wider scope, to be honest. Um, the damage has already been done. Um, and I think it's pretty unsurvivable as a manager, to be honest. One last question for you, Natasha. Do Celtic listen to the fans? Are Celtic listening to the fans and what they want? Well, it doesn't seem like it, that's for sure. Um, you know, we've been crying out um, week in, week out for some communication from the club. Um, it comes back to a point we've discussed before. The club promised a review in January. The fans were upset in November and they promised a review in January. Now, it seems like that was something they said at the end of last year to, to appease us and hope that we would then go on a winning run and they could forget about the review. Um, obviously, that's not happened. And there's still been no outcome of this review. Um, I think the fans would be a lot happier if the club would be a bit more open and give us some indication of of what the thinking is there and maybe communicate. But unfortunately, we're not seeing any of that and that's only adding to the frustrations of the fans who are beginning to feel ignored. As ever, you've made some really good points. Good to have you on the show and uh, call us again. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Natasha. Thank you. All the best to you. More football chat on the way. It's Glasgow's own Go Radio. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. Not much more than half an hour to go on uh, 
Glasgow's own Go Radio football show with Rob McLean, Richard Foster and Shelley Kerr. Some good chat there with Natasha, uh, a Celtic fan who is suffering big time as Rangers home in on completing uh, the title and uh, Celtic are in a state of confusion and, uh, well, you had the chance there to hear what uh, one very passionate fan feels about what is not happening at her club. Last night in the Premiership, Rangers won St Johnston nil. It was a sixth 1-0 win in the league this season for Rangers. It's 23 points of a gap. It's 27 games unbeaten and of course it all came after a week off. It's very rare, although recently we have had a, you know, five six days in between games but we did we did work on specific things to try and play through this St Johnson formation but also there was time for a wee bit of rest as well you know there's we've got a big schedule ahead European games starting to kick back in again so we used it both ways you know it was good for the coach and the manager to get on the on the training field and, and work on a few things but also we had a couple of days off to, to, to get rested for the big schedule coming up again Back in the back cave with uh, Gary McAllister, <laughs> and um, yeah, good timing for them, I guess, Shelley, to to have that that week off and with with the the two games against Royal Antwerp coming up, among everything else. I'm never sure what the right answer is in terms of rest and and recovery, because sometimes you have that momentum to keep on going. And um, but listen, the, the the game last night again, they passed with flying colours. Um, there's absolutely no doubt about it. They know a way to win games, but it's. Um, I think they want to win the league as soon as they can and obviously they've still got Europa League big tie ahead of them and everything to play for and um, as I say I keep on saying it and I don't think you can underestimate how impressive they've been this this season and to go unbeaten um, thus far is incredible and it's incredible you know what the staff have done the coaching staff have done and the players it's been great so far They have the belief don't they and they can show when needed they can show the Patience, here's the match winner, Yanis Hadji. In a season, you can't win all the games 3 4 0, 5 0. You, you gotta you gotta grind, you gotta work for it. So, uh, it was one of those nights where we, we just had to be patient and try to force the first goal and then just keep the clean sheet as we did the, the entire season. Because I think we had, uh, we have until now a really good season defensively. So, I think uh, on both ends, we, we won the penalty boxes and we won the game. Sometimes you gotta grind, says Yanis Hadji. That doesn't strike me as a player who who enjoys the grinding part of a football match, but um, no, he's he's got a lot of quality. But yeah, he, he's completely right. I think the biggest, well, one of the biggest improvements in Rangers is the def- this defensive record that he he spoke about there. That you know, back when I was kind of you know Aberdeen and you're going down Tybrox, you're playing Rangers, you don't get many chances against them. Now we've seen on the other side of the city the amount of chances that Celtic have been given up, and in previous seasons Rangers have been the same. So if you're if you're constantly conceding one two goals, you know you put far more pressure on yourself to then you know have to score three and and four to win games. Whereas Rangers haven't done that; they've got this confidence that they're going to go into games and they don't never let alone goals conceded. They don't even concede a lot of chances. You know they control games with the ball, they control games without the ball, um, and I think. Steven Gerrard and what he's done with the players is a great kind of advert for giving managers time because, you know, if Gerrard had been judged in his first season, his second season, he wouldn't be in a job. But you see what he can bring when, when he's, he's, like Shelley spoke about earlier, he's had the time to shape the team the way he wants, to bring in the players that fit the shape of the team that he wants. Um, they all 
you know, they're so well organised um, and regardless of who plays, everybody knows their job and that takes time and I think it's a great advert, you know, to show chairman, look, if we want success, then if we bring in the right manager, which Rangers did, and we give him enough time, then you'll see the kind of fruits of your labour. A football manager getting time that I'll never catch on. <laughs> <laughs> the average tenure of a football manager, in fact, I think it's, it was 18 months and it's less than that. I think it's about 14 months. If you want to be successful in any business, yeah, you have to have time. You have yeah. to have you know short-term, medium-term and long-term goals. And unfortunately, because it is results-driven, managers don't get time. But you make a brilliant point, Richard, about Stephen Gerrard and the infrastructure at Rangers. Uh, uh, the fact that he's been given that time to implement a framework in terms of what they do on the pitch and... His tactics are, the flexibility within them can be easily changed. You know that they're never going to play three at the back. They set up in a way and everybody's so well drilled in their jobs and that's how they've been successful. And you talk about defensively. I think that for me, Alan McGregor, I mean, he's just been phenomenal. I think, you know, we spoke about Craig Gordon earlier. You get two of the best goalkeepers that we've ever produced. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, obviously, I've worked uh, with Alan, um, and the, he's he's made a few big saves. But the one that stands out for me was, you know, big, big moment. Ibrox Salmon are hitting a penalty. If Celtic win, then they're favourites to win the league. McGregor saves it. We then go on and win the league, and that's that's what you need, and that's what Celtic have been missing. You need your goalkeeper to make big saves at big moments in games, and and Alan McGregor is one of the best at that. The, the saves that he pulls off, he's had a few, even even last season. Um, there were a few games where Rangers kind of struggled, and he kept them. You know, he kept them in the game with the saves, and he's brought that uh, that level of performance into this season as well. And um, he's a massive part in the fact that they've. I don't even know how many goals they've conceded, about six or something. Um, all I think season it's seven, is seven. It, yeah. uh, you but know, and he, and he and he pulled up a big save last night as well. It was a really good save down with his left hand, wasn't it, to stop it. Craig Bryson? And and when when you're only one nil up, it becomes a really important save. I think Bryson had St Johnson's best chances, but was it was a, a decent save, and that's hard to keep your concentration when you know that you, you, the opponents are not going to get a chance. But you need to be really, really focused, and he always is. I think, you know, when you contrast it with Celtic in terms of goalkeeping, you know, you've, they've had three goalkeepers. They had, you know, Barkas. They signed Barkas at start, then they put the young lad in Hazard, and then they had Bain. They've had three different goalkeepers, and you look at Rangers when. Alan McGregor um, had a little problem with his knee. They put McLaughlin in. I think he had... Did he have seven clean sheets in a yeah, row or something like that? Yeah. Six or seven. Alan McGregor goes back in. You know, so that's how much they believe in him to... And he's the foundation of the defence. You've got to have a good goalkeeper behind yeah. the defence. You know that as well, Richard, of course. I think the, the, the best goalkeeper, well, apart from Fraser Forster, they let him go because they wouldn't they wouldn't give him a wage that he deserved and they'll be ruining that decision now I thought you were going to say Vasilis Barkas <laughs> no well, they, I mean, you've paid 5 million for him I, I'm pretty sure that you'd have got Craig Gordon to stay at Celtic for yeah. less than 5 million um, and you look at the saves that he's continuing to pull off for Hearts in the Championship he's still a top top goalkeeper and that goes back to you know Natasha's point about the board and the recruitment. It's just not been good enough. How you've you've dismissed this guy who's proven in Scotland. We've known how good he is. He's a Scottish international. Um, we know the calibre of goalkeeper he is, and you've let him go to take a chance on a five million pound player, and it's you know backfired massively. Let's talk to Div from Pine Bovril. Hi, Div. Good evening. Good evening. How are you doing? Okay. Are you in good health? Oh, very good health, sir. Very good health. Despite the midweek result. Oh yeah, but. 
Uh, it's a similar roller coaster, isn't it? I think <laughs> uh, we we came off the disappointment of the cup semi final, which was a real sore one for us all. You go to Tanadice, which is a ground we've really struggled at over the years, and, and thrash United five one. You then go to Celtic, first win there in thirty years, and then you obviously we lost to Hibs, but I thought we were playing really well until the red card and. Unfortunately, that just turned the game away from us, and it was deserved. There was no no complaints about it. But um, but yeah, no, still really positive times for us uh, in Paisley. I think you've still got a great chance, haven't you, of doing what uh, Tony Fitzpatrick promised us right at the start of the season, and we were all uh, suggesting medical attention for him at that stage. Um, well, you maybe weren't, but maybe looking in from afar, we were. But uh, old Tony could be right. Uh, top six finish looks on the cards because uh, St Mirren have certainly improved that squad. Uh, well, no, definitely. I mean, it, it, there's no doubt that that sixth spot is up for grabs, and I think anybody down to probably Ross County fancy their chances of of, of getting it. Um, but it is the Sutton way, you know. We, we finished on Saturday having beat Celtic, and my first thought is, how many points are we ahead of Hamilton? And that's because it's that's the ingrained way mm, that we've yeah. been for so long. So we're used to being down the other end, but we've got we've got games in hand. We've got. A lot of games at home coming up in, in February, so hopefully we can push on. We've got a few injuries now mounting up as well, which is going to going to cause us some problems. But I think the squad's strong enough to deal with that, and, and hopefully we will continue to kick on. And you know, for us to finish sixth would be an incredible achievement um, for Jim. Um, and, and I really hope, and I think we, we definitely can do it. There's no doubt. I think St Johnson are probably the other side in that bottom half of the table that probably really fancy their chances I think Mother will look obviously as though they're getting better so it's going to be tough but fingers crossed we can get there Richard, top six St Mirren is that the way you see them? Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest it wasn't at the start of the season no. um, but, but now but, but now yeah I think I, I was at the game on Tuesday and I thought the, the, they were excellent in the first half um, you know they put the, 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 the they pass the ball out from the back when it's on. They don't take on, you know, they don't take risks. Um, if if it's got to go long, it goes long. But they've, they've good interplay on both the right hand side with Marcus and the left hand side with Tate. Um, they've got a lot of pace. I think Connolly brings a lot of pace to the team. Um, and they, they were playing really well, as they've said. That and it was just unfortunate a misplaced pass and they go down to ten men. But even. I think when Hibs scored the second goal, you're thinking, well, that's it, it's, the game's done and dusted. But instantly, St Mirren come back. And, and, and there were, I still felt that St Mirren were the better side with 10 men. I think because the way they play, that they don't, you know, a lot of teams just sit back and, and your extra man becomes a centre half when, and it's no use to you. And that's what Hibs done. But that was more so because of the fact that St Mirren can, controlled the ball. Um, and I think the way they're playing at the moment, with the, the kind of the momentum that they're creating now, I, I can't see, you know, they, they are probably the team that are that are going to push themselves into that top six place and it's going to be for the other teams to have to to match their run of form to, to get ahead of them. We were talking earlier on about decision makers showing patience uh, towards managers. In the case of, of Steven Gerrard, um, Rangers competed for seven trophies uh, without winning one and that probably doesn't happen too often at, at Rangers and Celtic that a manager gets that sort of time but when, when you're Steven Gerrard uh, and, and it's proved to be the right decision. And I was just thinking about uh, Jim Goodwin there, Shelley, that there have been times, there have been moments in his couple of years with St Mirren um, where someone might have hit the panic button, but but they've they've show, they've kept the faith, and that's proved to be well worthwhile, hasn't it? I think you've got Tony Fitzpatrick there, who's been a manager who understands, and I think that's quite supportive um, for the manager. I think. Jim Goodwin now is regarded as, as one of the best young managers around. I think tactically he gets it right. And 
He's certainly the way that he sets the team up. Um, you know, it's very, very difficult to play against. I think the turning point for me with um, St Man was the Dundee United game um, because apart from them scoring three against Rangers in, in the Cup, they were struggling to score. So to go into that game against Dundee United and score five... I think that's given them confidence. Even Obika's scoring now, um, which which wasn't apparent at the start of the season. And I agree with Richard as well. I like Connolly. I think his pace causes so much problems um, and a good signing in Brophy as well. But I think all in all, Jim Goodwin deserves a lot of credit. Do you, do you go with that? Uh, the, the, were there times, Div, at all for you? I mean, maybe you're just a, a big Jim Goodwin fan. I mean, I, I know I'm a, a Jim Goodwin fan myself. Um, were you always with them? Uh, because there were moments when a, a weak uh, management above him might have just been tempted to think about a change. Um, I think I've, I would probably always be labelled more of a happy clapper. I always try and be positive about St Man, um, which is not always easy, let me, you know, to be fair. But I think at the start of this season when we were struggling, I think it was mitigating circumstances. You know, St Man had well-documented issues with COVID and with all sorts of disruption or um, affecting us off the park. Um, and that, so I think you have to kind of bear that in mind when we did struggle Everybody, the fans certainly knew we had a good enough squad to compete. I think the board have definitely backed Jim. You know, the signing of Brophy was a bit of a statement of intent for us to go in and take a player like that from from a club of similar size was was a big step for us. And you know, whilst he hasn't scored yet um, and maybe hasn't set the header on fire, I think it's I think it's a good signing for us. And I think the sort of player that Jim's been bringing in, the recruitment's been. For, from our point of view, it's been excellent. You know, there's been very few failures in the transfer market, and again, for a club like us, over the last few years, that's massively important. You know, Jim seems to know the Irish market, seems to have really good contacts over there, and you know, McCarthy and uh, McGrath both look stellar signings. I think Jake Doyle Hayes is probably too good. If I'm being honest, I know he made that mistake on Wednesday, but he's mm. too good to be playing. If, uh, with all due respect, even to St Mun, uh, he, he's a step above that for me. I think he he was a big difference when he came in. Uh, Connolly's another one, another one of the Irish lads, albeit we got him from down south. So Jim definitely has great contacts in the game, and he's and he's using them to our advantage. And and that's again for a club like us, you know, where you don't have a huge amount of resources, you've got to use what you do have wisely. And I think he's definitely done that. And St Mirren have got a great goalkeeper. I mean, I know he's going to be suspended now because of the red card, but I mean the. To, to get hold of Jack Anik was a fantastic signing, I think, Shelley, for St Mirror. Yeah, he's done well. And, you know, Anik in there with Tate, Shaughnessy, McCarthy and Fraser, it's the foundations to build on. That allows you to play further up the pitch. And what I like about that defensive unit is they do the fundamentals really well. They, they actually want to defend. And I think that's quite rare in the modern day game. You know, you normally get fullbacks who are bombing forward that forget about defending, but it's St Mirren very very clear in terms of how they're asked to play and I think you have to have a great defensive unit and they certainly have that It's that stage of the season Div where you're looking to, it's games like Ross County Hamilton last night and you, you play Kilmarnock obviously at the weekend Eamon Brophy's old team and, and it's it's those sort of games where you're looking to get the points yourself but, but you're also looking to damage teams like Kilmarnock who potentially if they recover you know, could be a threat to, to, to your position come the final analysis in the league? No, definitely. There's very, very little to choose between most of the teams in the league this season. I think you've seen that. Whether it's the lack of fans or whatever it is, there's, home and away doesn't seem to make too much of a difference now either. So teams are coming uh, and, and you, you obviously couldn't call that game. I know Kilmarnock are in 
poor form uh, at the moment. They've lost the last four games. They've not got a manager, but I watched their game against Celtic. I thought they competed really well. I thought the scoreline was pretty harsh on them, and obviously they've gave St Johnson a really good uh, game in, at the weekend and ultimately claps. But as I said, on the day, there's very, very little to choose between the teams, so you've got to take your chances when you come along. And as Shelley said there, we've not probably done that as much as we should have done this season. We've not scored enough goals. That's starting to come now and, and that puts us in a strong position because, again, as she said, the, the back four and the goalkeeper have been so settled. And I think, although Jack will miss Saturday, I think Dean Linus is a really able deputy. I think he'll be... He, he showed on Wednesday, I thought he was... Or Tuesday, sorry, he was really good. I thought he, he played really well when he came on considering he said no game time at all for probably about a year. What's your scoreline for the weekend, Dave? Uh, I'll go 2-1 Saints. 2-1 Saints. Good to have yeah. you on the show. Thanks so much, guys. All, all the best. Take care of yourself. Yeah. That's Div from Pi and Bonville. And talking about Kilmarnock, we will focus next on their search for a new manager. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Good to have you with us on Glasgow's own Go Radio, the football show. We're into the final 15 minutes for a Thursday. Paul Cooney's back uh, tomorrow. Barry Ferguson and Cy Ferry here as well. And uh, your calls as ever are most welcome. Uh, we'll be talking tonight uh, quite a bit at the top of the show in particular about matters uh, disciplinary with Albion Ayeti of Celtic being cited for a simulation on the back of the penalty which Celtic were awarded at Kilmarnock on uh, Tuesday night. And of course, lots of talk about Kemar Roof and that challenge uh, last night um, on uh, Murray Davidson and the Rangers 1-0 win against St. John. So we're getting lots of reaction on the socials. Andy uh, has uh, tweeted the Go Football Show to say, you can't say Roof should be done with the compliance officer if you're saying the Scott Brown decision was the correct one. Uh, and Tag says, Murray Davidson went off with an injury on the other leg, not because of Roof's challenge. Richard Foster. Well, regardless of it, what leg he went off with um, it's still a horrific challenge I'm pretty sure he went off with an injury on the, the ankle that, that Roof stood on um, but as I discussed before there's no intent there it's not a it's not a you know he, he's not running from a distance he's not seeing the player there he's just trying to protect it to protect the ball and it's one of those where yes in my opinion the referee has got it wrong and it should have been a red card but Having been given the yellow card, I, I don't think there should be any retrospective action. The Scott Brown one is—it's a non-incident for me. Is yeah, you know, there's nothing in that at all. I, mean, I think we see the difference in Scott Brown when the, the Livingston one, I think, is a yellow card because I think he's he's a bit annoyed that the guy's nibbled at him beforehand and he waits for him and swings his arm. Whereas the one with uh, Tishbola, I think he just puts his arm out to kind of know where the defender is, and unfortunately, he makes contact with Tishbola's face. I think it was potentially going to be three games for Scott Brown as well on the back of that Livingston red card had anything happened um, but really I think it was quite a lot of fuss about very little to be honest another message there's no name on this one um, and it says it was a reckless challenge uh, last night from Kim R. Roof it was definitely a red card and typical uh, referee's inconsistency as the ref was quick to show uh, there's been quite a lot of talk about inconsistency hasn't there re recently in terms of disciplinary things uh, the ref was quick to show a red card to Michael O'Halloran in December's game with a similar tackle there's always one to go back to isn't there to make a comparison uh, not buying either that he tried to shield the ball Shelley Listen, it's it's opinions, isn't it? It's subjective. You know, you've got 
the referees, I think Richard mentioned it earlier, I certainly mentioned it as well. We, um, as do the, the supporters and viewers at home, get the opportunity to freeze it, rewind it and watch it numerous times. The referees have to make decisions instantly. And sometimes they get it wrong. Yeah. It's human nature and um, there's still we could all watch the same clip and have a different viewpoint. And I think, Rob, you had a different viewpoint on Kemar Roof's mm-hmm. challenge as well. Mm-hmm. And that just shows you, you know, you're, everybody's entitled to their opinion and it can still be subjective. Let's get another viewpoint. Uh, let's get Craig on the line, a Rangers fan. Hi, Craig. Hi, Rob, Richard, Shelley, how you doing? Hi. Are you well? Hi, not bad, not bad. This, uh, I mean, first and foremost, um, I was delighted with the result last night. I yeah. think uh, St Johnston obviously set up to frustrate, which, you know, they're in a good run of form, so it was not going to be an easy game, even at Ibrox. Um, and the fact that we, we found a way again, um, and, I mean, don't be wrong, we should have definitely been leading at half-time, especially Ryan Kent. I mean, it's an unfortunate slip, I suppose. But, yeah. uh, Quite a few chances as well, weren't there? There was quite a few chances, absolutely, um, which is always the positive thing at the end of the day. As long as you get the three points, you know, uh, that's all that matters. And with the clean sheets we have keeping, we only really need to take one, and it seems like we'll get it. So, But I think the, the key my roof on, look, my, my point on this is that, yes, he's very lucky. He, he could easily have been sent off. I'm not disputing that. Um, because he did, you know, he was a bit reckless in the challenge. But my point on it is, what I've seen this season so far for the compliance officer in this panel is that the last couple of challenges like that that have been studs up that have been, you know, accidental almost that were not meant, which I don't think you can say there was malice behind what Ruth done yesterday. I agree no. with Kelly. I think it yeah. is about shielding the ball and stuff. So because I've seen that and then you see Darren McGregor, they claimed he didn't mean it so he didn't get cited. Was it Ryan Edwards earlier in the season? Yeah. Or Morelos actually took a chunk out of Morelos's leg and they didn't consider that endangering a player. So if they were to cite Kimar Roof off the back of that, for me it would again show the, the level of inconsistency. And and until they, they either, because I thought going into this season the rule was, and maybe Richard and Shelley is, is former football, footballers will be able to tell me better, I thought the rule was if you go in with your studs up at all, then it's a red card if you catch the player. But apparently that's not the rule this season. Apparently it's only if it's deliberate this season, according to this disciplinary board. So that's where the confusion comes in. And if you cite Roof, then how could you not ban Darren McGregor or Ryan Edwards? That's where I, I sort of feel a bit... The other aspect the other aspect of Kemar Roof, Craig, is that, that um, he was booked. You know, he, he was booked he last was. night. So so is that not just de- is that not dealt with? Finished? Well, see, this is the thing as well, though. You'd think so. And where the referee was, I think he got a decent enough unit and that's why he booked him. But I've seen time and again in matches where the referee's in a terrific position. You think he's seen it. And then it comes out days down the line that the compliance officers had a word with him and all of a sudden he said, actually, I didn't see it properly. That's confusing as well. Because if you're that close and you're not good a position, you gave a booking, you can't then say, actually... I didn't see that properly because if I did, I would have gave it a red card instead of a yellow. That's also a confusing thing. It's, it's, it's so up in the air yeah. about what the, the rules are and, and how they're being implemented that you never know one week to another what challenge is going to be cited and, and what one's not. And I think for a system that works perfectly and to protect players in particular, because I think all challenges with studs up are, are dangerous and should be red cards. So if that is the sort of, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I mean like, reckless ones then you've got to enforce it not doing it 
makes make people question it, and that's why you have this debate about well, yeah. you know, are they going to say that? Why didn't they say this one? They really have to have consistency and transparency, in my view. Yeah. As well. The football rule book is a nightmare, really, isn't it? And and you do kind of feel for referees at times to to try to interpret it, Shelley. It is. It's such a hard job. Um, you know, Craig, you make a lot of valid points there. That's what everyone wants: um, consistent decisions, we incidents, transparency. And I think it's really, really tough because, again, I, I mentioned the word opinion. It's what you see in in your eyes might be different from someone else's. So it's very, very difficult. Um, I, just going back to the, the challenge itself, I, I don't think at any time he had his, um, came out roof, had his studs up. It, it's just the way that um, his foot is planted onto Murray Davidson. I think that's that's the hard part there. And it, there, is, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind it's no intentional. I think on another note, Craig, you know, you're obviously loving things um, at the moment in terms of how Rangers are playing. And for me, if, if I'm you, I'm sitting thinking, let's just tick them all off and then you can enjoy the celebrations. And I understand, obviously, supporters' frustrations. I know it's frustrating at times, but I would be more inclined to look at it and say, is it a red card? Yes or no, it's a red. And then not so much get get caught up on what happens elsewhere because at the end of the day that's that's how I look at things. Is it a red or is it not? Yeah. If I think it is, yep, you'll you'll talk about it and there's no point in talking about what happens elsewhere. Whatever happens, there's no stopping Rangers, that is for sure. Just want to run this past you, Craig, uh, before we go. We're coming to the end of the show. Uh, it was quite interesting, this, from Gary McAllister today at the media conference, um, talking about the absence of fans uh, f- from a Rangers point of view, the pros and the cons. We miss our fans dearly, you know, and, and, and if the run we're on, I'm sure the Rangers fans, if they're inside this, an Ibrox tonight, they'd be, they'd be loving it. But there is advantages of the fact that there's nobody there. You know, in key moments of the game, you know, there's there's crucial information does go on. And I think, you know, just just watching us in, in the last five, six games, we finished the game very strong, I feel. You know, and, and I, think, I think that comes for the energy for the side from subs, coaches, manager, just trying to push the guys through to, to, to keep the three points. It's quite an interesting uh, viewpoint, that Craig, isn't it, from from Gary McAllister today? It is, um, and it's, it's it's one that I find it hard to disagree with. I think um, I think he's right. Like you know, we've heard quite a lot has been put on Celtic not having fans this season, and that's why they're playing so poorly and and things like that. You know, and I think every football club is missing their fans, and to that football club, your fans are the best football fans. Um, Yes, when you're at Ibrox and you are in a tight game, you know, and you're getting into the last 20 minutes, I mean, I, go, I think back to the game against Motherwell, you know, 20 minutes to go, you're 1-0 behind. If there's fans there, yeah, they're going to be getting on your back, but it's how you react to that. And I think with the attitude that the players have showed this season, I'm sure they would, because I think it's enormous credit that Rangers haven't been given is that where there's not been fans, Rangers have been able to motivate themselves without fans. Fans are a great motivation, but Rangers have been able yeah. to, you know, the players have gone out there and motivated themselves where Celtic haven't without fans. So I think that's a real mental strength that Stephen Gerrard's instilled into the, the players as well. So it's you know, it's great. Obviously, hopefully they get back one day, you know, we've waited ten years to win anything yeah. and it looks like we're going to win the league. Hopefully mm-hmm. we can do it at Celtic Park. But no fans there is, is about the only dampener on it, to be honest with you. 
Craig, good to have you on the show, as usual, and uh, wishing you all the best. Take care. That was Craig, uh, a Rangers fan, uh, enjoying the countdown to the title. Thanks a lot to Shelley, and thanks a lot to Richard as well. Hopefully you've enjoyed this Go Radio football show. We're back tomorrow at five. Paul Cooney, Barry Ferguson, and Cy Ferry. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-energy. LTD.UK